Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just two fifty. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. My name is Dave Hanready and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 133 of the No Encore Music Podcast, your weekly music smackdown of nutrition on the Headstuff Podcast Ooh. Network. Wow. Joined by my boys, man. Yeah, the lads. Dahio <laughs> uh, <laughs> Droni. Hello, how are you now? Colin Morrigan. What's up, brother? Craig Fitzpatrick. Hey, what's going on? And together we are No Encore. And if you like what we're doing in a studio setting, but would imagine what it would look like live, you can come and check that out on Sunday, October the 14th in the Workman's Club as part of the Dublin Podcast Festival. Tickets are €13 on Ticketmaster. So go get them, yeah? We're very excited. There's some acts going to be announced pretty soon, but uh, we're very, very excited. We are excited, but we're also like, we've been rained on quite heavily. So uh, (laughs) spirits have been dampened. Spirits have been dampened. Revelers. Well, one man's spirits have have been dampened in the news this week and he will not be the next president of Ireland Kevin Sharkey you might know him from Father Ted he has dropped out of the presidential race uh, denying that his campaign was a promotional tool for his painting career it wasn't it was a promotional tool for his upcoming fire mixtape that he's dropping next fire. month and yeah so uh, he said that all his votes should go to Gemma O'Darty, who is a fine upstanding candidate please don't sue us Gemma I, I, <laughs> knew, I thought this was Fergal Sharkey when I first saw the story oh, I was just oh, like yeah. oh yeah, yeah definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. getting out the, the old punk rock vote going yeah. um, did, you, did you know that Kevin Sharkey wrote for Boney M 
Did he really? This is true, yeah. And the Boom Down Rats, apparently, as well. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Maybe he it, should be president. Maybe we should bring him back. No. The no encore <laughs> candidate for the presidency of Ireland. <laughs> what could go wrong with appointing <laughs> some sort of pseudo celebrity? How many people a? are running for it at this point? I, I've been avoiding well, think, it like I the th- play. I think it's all of Dragon's Den and Gemma O'Donnell. Yeah, the entire <laughs> cast. Seriously, right. Den. Trying to explain to Nina a couple of weeks ago that the Irish version of Shark Tank had supplied three <laughs> of our presidential <laughs> candidates was incredibly <laughs> difficult. This is not a political podcast, but I. <laughs> Our good friend of the show, Andrew Hoger Byrne, said just today or yesterday that all music is political. All of it. All of it. Yeah. Maniac 2000. <laughs> it's, about the, it's about the housing crisis, I think. Right. And yeah, well, he would say that, wouldn't he? We've talked about we that. He would say that. We, we, can't, we can't keep going on the story. No, yes, I'm we not going to. I'm just saying, like, we, like I, I've gotten some flack from last week. We were described as well. Say, we, we got a Twitter storm. A Twitter storm. Someone said, I really agree with what you said, apart from this bit here where I thought you were uh, overly cynical and overly hipsterish. Overly uh, hipsterish. Shocker-ish. I mean, he pretty nailed you, really, did, in, did, in fairness. Did you watch that CB, CBC, I believe, interview with him? The, one of the first questions is, like, your man is like, um, so you name all these people, and the, you know, these iconic musicians and singers uh, in your song. I noticed there's no contemporary artists. Can you talk a bit about that? I was waiting for him just be like, I'm the contemporary artist. Don't you get it? It's me. Coming up on today's show, we will have more contemporary artists, such as Villagers. We're reviewing the new Villagers album, and we'll be joined by the wonderful pairing that is uh, Week of Corners, lads. They're on the way in right now for a chance. Corner yes. Boys. But first, the Corner Boys, yeah. Uh, uh, one duo, uh, Dublin duo, Ships, who won the Choice Music Prize this year. I was a judge, you may or may not recall. Uh, they, because I told you enough. About it. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. have joined the choruses of people essentially saying, that Dublin is getting harder and harder for creative types much like David Kitt our guest last week and on Twitter during the week they made one of those threads and they basically said that we're, they're being forced out of Dublin uh, which is quite uh, grim of course and yeah, they examined many situations they made a statement Simon and Sorka themselves they said that we must move out on our home at the end of the month and we've nowhere to go We've been searching for three months now and are completely priced out of not just Dublin, but anywhere within an error radius of the city. We're trying not to panic, but the underlying stress of the unknown is taking its toll. The housing shortage is so bad that even when we see a place on Daft that we could possibly afford, that house will have had anything between four and 5,000 views within the hour. And we rarely get a call or an email back. And they kind of go on and say that they've been offered places and so on. That they, put like, they, they have a studio, they have yeah. things to do in Dublin. I mean, I, I thought the, the crux of this was that they were like, we both grew up in Dublin, all of our family and friends are here, our work is here, and we both contribute to the city in creative and therapeutic ways ways we pay our taxes so like why is this happening now there's been a bit of an update they spoke to Ed Power in the Irish Times um, bit of a sensationalist headline there where it was kind of saying that you know in 10 days they will be homeless it's not 100% accurate but uh they did say, look, our situation echoes thousands of others across the island. Yeah. What's happening with housing is irresponsible, short-sighted and holding back so many people from having a basic standard of living that includes an affordable place to call home. It's becoming yeah. a bit of a... like it's, Recurring theme. Yeah, it's a bit of a pattern here. Absolutely. Yeah. I think they nailed it precisely, though, when they said that, you know, what's happening to them uh, reflects what's happening to thousands of people. And I, I suppose there's, at one level, I try not to specifically look at musicians struggling rather than, you know, teachers or butchers or whoever else yeah. is, is, is Your struggling. thing for butchers. I mean, I just say I really thought you were going to say candlestick makers. <laughs> right, okay. but, but the one thing that stood out to me in this, right, is that they say, you know, look, we've looked into the possibility of getting a smaller home, but then we'd have to pay for a separate studio yeah, and that doesn't really work for us. Problem. Within the music industry, surely that's one thing that can be looked at. Studio availability and making facilities like that lower yeah, cost like, are almost free. Almost office spaces that are like a... Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and I raise this as 
especially because one of my own local representatives, who was Aon O'Reardon, was just the other day celebrating, you know, like there was some clash about playing pitches and a development proposed in Clontarf. And the local residents won, the playing pitches will stay. And people were like, you know, oh, like, you know, but we need housing. And he's like, yeah, but we also need these sort of amenities and places for, you know, children to play Mm. sports and stuff like that. But in the same way, surely things like music studios oh, of course. could be addressed. No, never going to happen though, really, is no, it? I mean, not. there's no, forget about just, you know, artistic and musical spaces. There's such a huge lack of communal public spaces in general yeah. in Dublin and the country at large. And I guess you come back to the problem with the rent prices. I mean, if you look beyond the government to try and organise these spaces so people kind of share it comes back to just yeah, rents are so exorbitant. Um, I don't know what's to be done. There's a kind of a, there's a really interesting thing about this as well is that I keep seeing in, in like comments in these kind of news stories where musicians are are kind of saying that we we literally cannot survive in the city. A lot of people kind of go, "Well, you're musicians, you know, you've done this thing." But like, Get a what, what, what musicians should be seen as it, at this stage is lower income people with a platform that's pretty unusual for a lower income mm. person, right? Mm. So like the so say ships for instance is a perfect example where like as as musicians you're just generally considered a lower income household or whatever. Yeah. But you also just so happen to get like newspaper coverage or news story coverage because you're a musician. So it's got this like really weird thing where if if anybody's looking at musicians and kind of going, well, why are they like, why why are they the people who are, who are everybody's getting so up in arms about? Like, they are technically right now a voice for a lower income household, which yeah. is a really weird situation to happen because it's never happened before. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the interesting fact that I don't think that they, they haven't come across to me as, as being woe is me about the situation. If anything, I think they're quite level headed. However, the reaction can spill into that and that can mm-hmm. actually develop into some kind of weird stigma towards musicians and creative types who are like, oh, you know, again, let's call them kind of joke there, get a real job. That will crop up. And we're seeing at the moment, of course, with all the take back the city stuff, it's the current crisis. You know, there's always yeah. going to be a massive uh, public like a support or backlash against a, a social movement. And obviously yeah. in recent times we've seen the repeal movement, we've seen the equal marriage movement. And now you would hope that this is the next movement. Well, it is. Right? Yeah. It clearly yeah. is. Look, 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 look what happened in the streets last week. But at the same time, it affects people of all kinds. Exactly. I mean, like it's, yeah. it, it, it's allowed to affect people who are middle class. And like the fact that like Ships won the Choice Music Prize this year, that's 10 grand in their pocket. I mean, they're looking, they're also, you know, they're looking for a very specific type of setup. You know, they're looking for something that will accommodate their creative needs mm. as well as not just like agaf. Mm-hmm. So, and I, yeah, it should be pointed like their financial needs. Like, this is their source of income. Yeah, it's of not just, oh, they want a space where they can be creative. No, it's, they're very, they need to they're generate very, very it's saying, for their job. We are but, contributing. Yeah. Like, can we not keep doing that? Yeah. So, but at the same time, I mean, like, you know, you mentioned, like, Dahi, you mentioned, like, you know, uh, a journalist picks up on this as Ed Power did for the Irish Times. And to be fair, I probably would have done it myself. And I mean, mm-hmm. like, we, I wrote about David Kitt on Joe. We had him in the studio last week. You give coverage to these things and then it, there, some distortion can follow and it's, it's a problem when you categorise these people as separate people from of other of course but that's lawyers. inevitably going to happen yeah. and that's the yeah. thing where it's like people are kind of saying like well this isn't a problem mm-hmm. you know someone getting evicted from their gaff uh, who has no money and is homeless that's what we should be focusing on but we are focusing on it's that. the same problem you're also focusing on this and yeah, I think ultimately yeah. what I come back to in stories like this what I come back to is the fact that and I'm fully aware of my own position as someone who, like, you know, slams picture this or whatever. And I wonder, like, can I, can I? Well, <laughs> That's your job. Isn't no, but I wonder, like, no, I wonder, can I coexist? I mean, like, you know, when it comes to, <laughs> let me finish. Well, you can and a man coexist? <laughs> uh, well, uh, picture this, and I have an understanding. Uh, 
There's a like 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 a yin and yang. Yeah, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a who will survive order. in America? Who will survive in America? Who will survive in the thigh? I mean, ultimately, uh, the point I'm struggling to make because my uh, my friends have completely buried me here is I am aware enough as a music critic in 2018. I, I think it's becoming trickier to do that. Uh, I want to slag off a band, but obviously not make it malicious or personal. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean I don't care about their situation. Yeah. And at the same time, they're totally know, se- separate issues. Well, I come back to this idea of like what what galls me is that like Ireland is still to this day sold as this land of creative poets and singers yeah. and dancers yeah. and actors and musicians. And I've said this before, but again, right now. It's never been more Zero like support. neon sign of people being like, "Hey, can you fucking help us?" Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, it's yeah. getting washed can you keep away. The neon sign on. <laughs> very good, very good, excellent work, Tommy. Well, ultimately, I guess it's going to run and run. It's going to run and yeah, run, yeah. and we'll see what happens. I mean, like maybe uh, the future of music is, in fact, especially bleak across the board. Because, uh, I mean, Simon Fuller, right? Simon Fuller, who's responsible for an awful lot of things in life. He's a, he's, I think, the last... Life. <laughs> the inventor la- of the microwave. Uh, <laughs> the, the last, uh, he invented the dab. Uh, the last... Uh, Probably did. The last time, I think, his, his, uh, his sums were checked, he was worth the tune of, like, 450 million pounds. He's definitely, like, Illuminati. He managed the Spice be. Girls, <laughs> he managed S Club 7, he managed, like, various different people over the course. And now he wants to change the face of music once again. And he's trying to sell this as some kind of humanitarian thing, and I'm a little bit sceptical. What I'm talking about is Now United, which is a very generic term, much like a One Direction, but it's so generic that it might be genius. And what this is, is it's a collective that's been created over the past year. The YouTube channel for this pop act, because that's what it is, it's a pop outfit, of 14 teenagers from different corners of the globe. And the YouTube channel for this, with 124 videos, has maybe two songs. It's all about short, bite-sized, get-to-know-these-people vlogs. It's very relatable for the kids, for the teens and the preteens. And essentially... He has said there has never been a talent search of this nature before. There's never been an act of this nature before. They want to change the game. They want to change the music industry. And they're doing this in a variety of ways. Number one, as I say, 14 fresh-faced teenagers from around the world that we can interchange. They can come and go. Uh, partnering up with big businesses, which they have done. They're wearing sure. Tommy Hilfiger clothes in all their videos and very sure things. Yeah. Sheer deodorant, which they're going to express through the joy of dance, quote-unquote. And, and their armpits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> their aerodynamic armpits. It's an armpit-heavy dance, yeah. is what it is. And essentially, you know, they're not going to fuck with Spotify or Apple Music. They want to challenge the current system. And like I say... By, by using YouTube. Yeah, know, fight yeah, the power. Yeah. <laughs> Fuller is very much like, you know... Fuller cried YouTube. He's, the argument that he and his business partner are kind of making with this is like, well, if the Beatles came along today, they wouldn't get a chance to even get to the chorus. And ultimately, it's like, maybe there is a part of you that actually wants to bring singing and dancing back to the masses, but come on. This is the most cynical corporate move. I don't know. No? Well, yeah, of course it's cynical, but I don't think it's really changing the game. It's just a kind of grand scale thing of what's already happening, right? Yeah, I mean, like, let's go through this. I mean, like, first of all, the idea that, like, pop acts are assembled to tick certain demographic yeah. boxes. Well, yeah. my friends, scary, sporty, baby, ginger and pot would be appalled to hear as much. Yeah, yeah. The idea of a musician being paid to wear a certain brand of clothes. Dahi, have you ever heard something as ludicrous? Uh, I no, can no. either confirm um, nor deny. <laughs> like, Three nice t-shirt around, by the way. <laughs> like, 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 seriously, like, so, so, Shit. so much. <laughs> so much welcome, of this. Welcome to No Encore. <laughs> so much of this. I mean, like, you know, stepping back from a certain streaming platform and signing an exclusive deal with another. All of this is stuff that we're completely familiar oh, with. And you've rattled them. You've rattled, like, look at them. <laughs> and what's more, anybody who doesn't believe that they're carefully managed, PR vetted, focus grouped pop sensation 
isn't behaving like this and isn't actually on this sort of path is more fool you like. Yeah, I feel like Fuller invented this like decades ago. Like, isn't he essentially... Like, if Simon Cowell is Darth Vader, he's Emperor Palpatine, isn't he? Like, he's been, certainly <laughs> yeah, yeah. in Britain, it, it is kind of the scale thing, I think. It's the the global kind of inclusivity factor. That's it's the like word. The, That's the yeah, word you're going to keep like, seeing. It's the Jolie Pitt way of putting together a family, but it's just pop music, right? <laughs> isn't it? But I guess it's it, all it is really is... <laughs> That's all it is, good. is like an admission that they can't really sell records anymore, which we already knew. Mm. And even the gigging isn't that big a mm. thing. Like this is this is already the model as Dahi is okay. about to tell us all about now. This is bullshit because like, okay, he's coming, he's coming at this as if it's like a, like a brand new idea. Okay. And this is not a brand new idea if he even bothered to look at the massive YouTube celebrities that are out there already. Okay. Yeah. Who was the dude who did the suicide forest thing? Logan, Logan Paul. Paul. Logan Paul and his brother, right? When you go to Logan Paul or his brother's pages, they have these like teams of YouTube YouTubers, right? And they release music every couple of months. They sell merch. They do the whole thing. They work with brands. This has already been done. He's like completely yeah. like missed the boat on this. And if you've looked at the video that they released, right? It is the most ham-fisted bullshit I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> each of the people from each of the different nationalities has a flag on one part of their costume. <laughs> like to say, we're from this country, so you better relate to this yeah. person because he's from this country. It's if the, you want to come to Brazil, there's already one in it's Brazil. The, it's the Captain Planet of music and of course they try yeah. to invent Esperanto in pop form he's, he's acting like this is a brand new idea and it is completely yeah. not a new idea What's it's already more, been I mean, done I mean, by people younger than him yeah, yeah. and even like like K-pop the biggest K-pop act exactly. is BTS, exactly. BTS right yeah. they BTS, have a Mandarin yeah. subgroup uh, who sing for the Chinese market only of assassins <laughs> <laughs> Jesus white suits but like a lot of K-pop groups are kind of like nine members who break into three member subdivisions <laughs> no, you're right, you're right. Yeah, and yeah. target different markets and stuff like that that's, that's what this is again it's yeah. been done before the only difference is that they're saying this up front like yeah. we're seeing how yeah, the sausage yeah, yeah. is made, and almost like he's selling the idea to investors True. rather than yeah. us. Like speaking of old ideas, though, I love how like one of the stories in this ends with "Now United have already visited the UK to record a song for the BBC's Blue Peter." Blue Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Finger on the pulse, the forefront, the forefront of yeah. get them on Blue Peter. I don't care what it takes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They'll be on the couch on the one show next yeah. to Manic Street. The song, soon. by the way, is called "Summer in the City," and it sounds like absolute garbage. Again, it's that thing of like even the song is calculated. But look, we'll move on. We'll move on to yeah. something more ghostly and spiritual, won't we, Craig? Yeah, one major Such artist who is um, all natural, but is he getting a little <laughs> supernatural? Oh, yes. So Post Malone has been in the wars of late, apparently. Um, recent string of bad luck. Although he's kind of come out of it unscathed as we go through these. You'll see, maybe he's actually got luck on his side. Well, he always well, looks the same, to be fair, you know? I mean, like, <laughs> he does a bit. He's always tired. So apparently, a few. <laughs> tired, yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. yeah, tired and emotional. A few weeks ago, um, Malone was on a plane that was forced to make Malone. Him- <laughs> Malone. <laughs> it's better than the old Post, isn't it? Posty. Posty. Posty is what he goes by. Come yeah. on, lads. You should not refer to him as Post. Come on, get fucking, with the kids. Music journalist, come on. <laughs> I can't keep it up. I'm four years well, older than he was, he was on a plane and the tires blew out, um, forcing an emergency landing. Um, then we found out the postie was involved in a serious car crash. Actually, maybe I shouldn't use postie in that sentence. But he remained uninjured. So he's Malone fine. said. As if those Malone incidents quipped. weren't enough to draw concern for the rapper's well-being. It was then reported that someone tried to rob um, his old San Fernando Valley house. Um 
basically these three intruders asked the new residents, where's Post Malone? And uh, he was not there, <laughs> luckily for him. But apparently these um, string of kind of mishaps are all linked to one mysterious object. Ghost Adventures host... We all watch Ghost Adventures, right? Yeah, no, exactly. what, do you, what do you tell us? Baggins. <laughs> I've never actually seen it, but if it's anything like the UK's most haunted, I'd say it's phenomenal. Can you say that host name again with the way that you said it, where you cranked your neck there for some reason? Zach Baggins? <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was Baggins or Baggins. What do you reckon? It's probably Baggins, is it? Baggins? Anyway, Post Malone was Bagsy. on this show. Uh, they were at Baggins Haunted Museum in Las Vegas, and they were playing with this object called a Die Book Box. Um, Dibbuk. Dibbuk. Di- okay, how do you know uh, what a Dibbuk box is? I think that film Sinister refers to a demon called the Dibbuk. Or I'm, I'm, think, I'm, I'm taking Are you thinking the else. Babadook? No, no, it's no. something like along those lines. Listeners, let us know on Twitter. Yeah. At No Encore Show. <laughs> it sounds yeah, yeah. like something what? the Let us know about your paranormal experiences. Why not? <laughs> Especially <laughs> while listening to the Can podcast. Can I just say as well? Ghosts, are they real? Or are they a construct of our doomed imagination? Well, just in ter- No Encore Show. In terms of the potentially scariest thing that could ever happen, I think an intruder bursting into your living room and going, Where's Post Malone? <laughs> You'd think it was a riddle Behind the shed Newark, I don't know <laughs> Newark Yeah, the Dibbuk box is allegedly haunted by a malicious spirit um, According to Baggins, Zach touched the box And then a visibly freaked out post touched him on the shoulder uh, They're all quite freaked And Baggins believes this is What's contributing to posts um, kind of mishaps? Obviously, cursed. paper of record TMZ. TMZ. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Tell me, TMZ. <laughs> Uh, yes, he has a song called Better Now, uh, which is in my uh, best songs of the year long list. Very good song. I, I really like it, yeah, for for that kind of stuff. You know, like, it's fair, he has 17 tracks on the album, so if he, you know, one of them is going to hit, you hope. <laughs> it's true. And I would like to just conclude this ghost report by saying that I hope Posty gets better now. Oh. Craig, this he's not a unique case, though, is he, in, when it comes to <laughs> these <laughs> spooky apparitions? We have a bit of a most haunted musician's rundown. Oh, yeah. Kendrick. Says the truth is out there. He kind of very just uh, casually mentioned on this radio show that he's seen ghosts before, for sure. And he says he's seen UFOs too. And he talked about this time he was hanging on his balcony with his mom who was drinking wine, problematically. Um, <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Or wait, champagne. Wait, wait. Hang on, hang on. I have questions. Was she like reading a copy of Stormfront at the time? Yeah. <laughs> Why was it problematic? He's very young at the time. He's six years old. They're on a balcony. I don't know. Stuff could have gone down. No, David six Duke years old. Yeah, you're, Memorial yeah. Stuff okay, did go down. All right, listen. Okay, I'm not judging. All right, I'm sure when you're living in Compton, you need some wine of an whoa, evening okay, to drink. No, no, can, can, can you please refrain from editorializing on this one and just move on? There was a dark. Said Kendrick, a flash, uh, not the flash like it's a shooting star, multiple flashes in the sky. Kendrick said he'll never forget it. That was his account encounter, and still to this day, he knows there's something else out there. Exciting, do we yeah. believe Kendrick? Yes. No. See, well, I believe Kendrick more than I do Zach Baggins. See, this is the thing. Yes, yeah, like, so do I. Baggins. I don't know why Kendrick that is. Lie to us. I don't really know what that is, but like, yeah. I Maybe because Kendrick. he doesn't have a haunted museum <laughs> that he invites Posty over to. Well, if Kendrick and I had a haunted museum, I would go to that stuff I would totally like, go immediately. To it. Someone who would also go would probably be Ariana Grande. As it turns out, Craig, this oh. week it turns out her name was actually pronounced Ariana Grande. We've, we've got so, some report on some website that I read. Really? Yeah, apparently it's Ariana Grande. But and it's, she and doesn't it's, say and that. And it's Chrissy Teigen. But yeah. they don't uh, Both don't pronounce oh, it We've been just going like Historically we've speaking been, or something. We've been is saying properly it Backed up all or or By the people I read it on one website uh, During my troll for news This week And I thought That's not worth a story But I'll drop it in And, and the lads <laughs> Will totally run with it But yeah She believes in demons Apparently Craig 
Yeah, I mean, she's big into like UFOs and demons and the like. Um, she was going to this haunted house thing in Kansas City, which she's very excited about. There was Just an a attached cemetery, right? haunted. Yeah, this, there was a cemetery attached, which she was like, okay, let's let's check that out. Um, on in the car on the way there, she smelled sulfur which she said is the sign of a demon. Which it is. is yeah, if it you've is. seen the film uh, from 2005 called Constantine, in which uh, Keanu Reeves plays a demon hunter, sulfur is, in fact, one of the key signifiers that you're dealing with a demonic All presence. of the water in Iceland smells like sulfur, so... All right. Well, and listen, it's it not surprising. renamed, doesn't it? So, demon yeah, it does. Because this cemetery apparently is one of the eight earthly portals into hell. All right. And she saw some shiz when she got there. She took a photo... Um, of just to kind of try and capture this ominous feeling she pick up picked up on and she saw three distinct faces in the background of it and she claims to have later seen a big black mass and read demonic flashes. What's a big black mass? Like a like a like the smoke monster from Lost. Oh yeah. right, that kind Stranger of thing. Oh, mass, I thought as in like a mass. I like thought a, it was a like a, a religious mass. No, like, the it's like a black mass. Yeah, no, it's like a fucking expanse of a thing. Like ah, oh. well, it could have been a black mass. <laughs> Aaron <laughs> Carter, Aaron Carter's fun-loving grandmother <laughs> enjoyed playing scary pranks on him as a child, but nothing scared him more than when she was diagnosed with terminal. I did not know how that sentence ended. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm reading this for the first time. <laughs> oh my I'm God. so sorry for putting this together. I'm so this is all I'm my fault. Really sorry. I'm really, really sorry. That's I didn't know that was coming. <laughs> While his grandmother was a lifelong believer in life after death, Aaron admits that he wasn't too convinced until she revealed herself to him through a candle that she made him promise to light once she passed away. He claims Cullen is destroyed over in the corner here, and it's very difficult to, to finish this. But Aaron claims that once it blew out, her ghost apparated in the room. With a coal blast that took her shape and said, I told you. So she had the last laugh. Craig, Craig. Let's move on to Brett Michaels rapidly. Let's move on to Brett Michaels glowing orb. So Brett Michaels was down in the dumps when he was a teenager. He was living in a basement, probably of his parents' house. Um, he, he said everything was caving in. Um, but Is that a lyric? That sounds like a lyric. <laughs> it's definitely got to be in every to- rose as it's torn, right? <laughs> Um, sorry, he was in a friend's basement um, after a particularly disheartening band practice. He plugged in some headphones to relax and saw a strange glowing orb from the corner of his eye. This is my favourite quote, isn't it? Because you want to read it. There was no rhyme or reason for this <laughs> orb. As though there normally is. Like, he this now, is a very justified orb. This was a positive thing. He now claims that the orb was the sign he needed to get out of the town and pursue rock stardom. So thanks, orb. <laughs> Thanks. Well, there, so then there was rhyme or reason for the orb. It was basically to get him out of the town. Yeah. The uh, let's just wrap this up with Adele's mansion is haunted. Uh, Meatloaf <laughs> saw a ghost when he was recording Bad Out of Hell. And Sonny Bono still visits Cher. And that has been Most Haunted Corner. We're never, ever, ever, ever bringing that segment back. (laughs) So I hope you very much enjoyed it. Uh, Real quick, Pussy Riot update, because I did uh, speak ill of them uh, around the time of the World Cup final when they rushed the pitch for a protest. And I was like... I think we all did, yeah. And I was like, like, it is the World Cup. It was the World Cup final. Yeah, and I was like, like, you know, 15 days in jail isn't enough for them. Now, however, I did not want anything horrible to happen to them. And unfortunately, Colin, that is what has happened. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Peter Veseloff... Uh, was poisoned um, before falling in Russia last week. Um, has It has been confirmed, it seems. 
Um, the Russian-Canadian member of Pussy Riot um, fell ill last Wednesday, and very seriously so as well, began to lose sight, speech, motor skills, and memory. And, uh, yeah, apparently was poisoned, and obviously fingers are being pointed towards the authorities in Russia. Yeah, and just come, obviously some shady dealings around all of this. Um, like, doctors refused to share with um, his kind of friends and family any papers on the state of his health. Um, he's actually been transferred from Russia to Berlin um, at the suggestion of a German doctor who knows his father, and a Basically, his life is still in danger in Russia, yeah. Not great. No. Pretty bad. Um, Dangerous manoeuvre on their behalf, but a horrendous response, if allegedly the case. Hopefully he pulls through. Um, But we'll now swing... uh, We'll cheer ourselves up. (laughs) Let's cheer ourselves up with a a, a tune. Attention, everyone. One, one. Shut up. Craig on Kanye. Yeah, so the man who once spat uh, fuck SNL and the whole cast will be opening the new season of <laughs> SNL. And most excitingly for fans, Kanye West has basically hinted that we're getting a new album. Are we getting a new album? Is it called new Yandy? Album or a new track? I can't decide. Do you think it's just a track? Well, what we have a photograph of a mini disc. Yeah, um, with a purple sticker kind of very much harkening back to the Yeezus cover. Um, with the word Yandy. So people are guessing this is him dropping stuff. He has been saying of late that he is going to get um, just a lot more productive. He was talking about Watch the Throne 2 happening, um, an album with Chance. This seems to be something else entirely. Yeah, but what do we think? He, he also um, went on with Chance and confirmed that, yeah, their, their album will be coming out. It's called Good Ass Job. Which, which was supposed to be his album from about like five albums. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, you know, like we did, discussed last week you know maybe he should just take it easy and take a break now and it seems I like mean, he's doing the exact opposite you, you wonder I mean a, a lot of people were saying that Ye was made in however short period of yeah. time yeah so this could be been, this, this might this be the, the album. album yeah possibly that would because, make sense because to it me. also feels like that if it's like easy to Yandy like you know I mean that's that's a possible thing right well, I mean, the the connection is there, and also the fact that, like, apparently Jesus was, what, the death of the CD, and now this is the death of the mini-disc? Uh, but also, the fact that it's a <laughs> mini-disc... I bought one a long time ago. Uh, like, no, one, curve, <laughs> no one seems to be pointing out that, like, it is a mini-disc. It seems like a kind of quite a funny title. He's going on SNL. Could it just be some joke sketch that they're doing? If it's anything from mm. the last fucking thing you released with Lil Pump. 29th huh. of September, we're going to find out. Uh, I'll be at Hard Working Class Heroes. I think you guys are all I'll on holidays. Hamilton, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, I'll be at Hamilton. You're going to Hamilton the Musical. I'll yeah. be finishing a dissertation. So basic. <laughs> the glamour. <laughs> Are we getting like a review the next week? I suppose you will. Because it is music. Yeah, so. why not? Um, I think you're away as well, aren't you, Dolly? Uh, I'm in Ackle playing uh, Battle for the Lake Festival. Battle for the Lake. Surfing Festival. Yep. Uh, but if it is an album, we're definitely re- reviewing it that week, right? Almost certainly. Yeah, I think oh, that yeah. would. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to do that. Right. Well, stay tuned, folks. <laughs> that Kanye West, what will he do next? <laughs> One act that we know what they will do next. This is a seamless link, guys. Oh my god. <laughs> the wonderful pair that are Week of Corners. They have a new album coming out, and it sounds like this. Your last two meals together. They were wordless affairs. And the one before was a game of stairs. The week slipped by like water. And the Hello, Week of Corners are in studio. They join us right now. Hello, guys. What's the crack? How's it going? Yay. Hey, guys. Hello. Welcome to the show. We got John. 
from Weaker Corner. <laughs> 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 uh, we got Connell. Hello. How's it going? Hey. How both of them. They have both <laughs> brought gifts to the show, solidifying mm-hmm. their reputation as the nicest act in the world, which I assume, like, at this stage, I was like, don't want to keep saying that they're the nicest guys around. It's like a Dave Grohl thing. It's become the self-fulfilling prophecy, and they're probably actually really sick of people saying that. But John brought us cookies. Yeah. Mm. No one, delicious, no delicious, delicious cookies. cookies. That's a no one brings anything. Yeah. It's really, really good. Cool. Thanks, guys. You're what? welcome, I mean. <laughs> was that like, was this like, is this like you do it for all the podcasts or it's like a charm offensive? Uh, no, I was just a little bit early and uh, I decided I'd go for a walk and then I saw a cookie shop, so I bought some cookies. Yeah, well, I'm happy. But also, Connell brought us a copy of the album Impostures, which comes out the 12th of October. He brought us a vinyl copy, which uh, I feel bad now because I now have this and you guys don't have it. You saw it before John saw it. And John spent the last two years... Trying to make it. Over. I'm going to yeah. pass it back across the table <laughs> yeah. just for him to hold. Yeah, no, I'm coming across the table. <laughs> Delayed gratification is my favourite kind. <laughs> it looks amazing, and I look it's amazing nice, with yeah. it. So. Well, let's yeah. not go that far. So, did you say it's been two years in the kind of the making? Yeah? I guess so. Yeah, yeah, that was when we started on the on this cycle. Is that what you call them? Yeah. yeah. When uh, yeah, so I guess it's it's probably two years. I mean, we pro- we finished we finished finished it. I'd say in February. Of this year, what where are we now? October, yeah. So yeah. It, I guess be, be, by the time we started, it's it's been two years. One, one of my really interesting things about you guys, it just seems very, very like that that idea of this cycle thing is like the last three albums have come out like kind of pretty solidly yeah. on time, like every single time. I have no idea how you do it. It's like really, really difficult to get that done, you know. Yeah, I guess we are in the luxurious position of uh, not having to tour our record so much so we bring mm. one out uh, and the release follows a period of recording and then mixing and then getting all your bits in order yeah. then we release and we do a short tour usually of Ireland we try and take in some international dates and then pretty much we're ready to go again uh, and because I guess our work life is quite busy we tend to be very methodical in the way we plan out you know recording sessions and writing sessions yeah. Uh, so just uh, so far I mean things have this is our fourth album in I guess since 2011 um, so yeah it's been it's been productive I'm about to have my second child so you won't oh see us God. again for <laughs> six years <laughs> congratulations yeah, congratulations that's amazing <laughs> thank you uh, I mean that's one of those things as well where like I is it is the cliche true? Does it change you? Like, does it change the right like what you write about? Because I mean, like I've heard we've heard we've all heard this album, and it is very much a Weaker Corners album. You know, for all those good intentions and all those good things that that means. But did you find yourself with a different mindset? Did you find yourself kind of like gravitating towards something that you would never have previously thought of simply because of this new life experience that you've, that you've gone through? Personally, uh, not really. I mean, it changes. Obviously, your time is is a lot more restricted, and because all your, uh, I guess. All your love and attention is going towards this one <laughs> tiny human. It's kind of it gets harder to to give a shit about anything else, you know. Um, but um, it's but I, I mean the, b- this band has been you know John and I's we met you know when when we first met we 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 started writing music together and um, it's a it's as important a part of my life and John's I know as as anything else you know and it's been a consistent part of our lives for probably nearly 20 years really so um the having a child thing <clears throat> doesn't really change I guess doesn't really change that but um I mean it certainly shifts your focus and and your priorities and all those other cliches probably puts things into perspective as well when people are like you know oh we birthed 
this album. It's like our baby, and it's like it's bloody not. Mate. You have no idea what to read. Yeah. Like. Say that to my wife. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but it's no like and 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 John. Like I'm. I'm just so lucky. I'm in a band with 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 a guy who's incredibly understanding and is. You know, you know, doesn't put undue pressure and and does a loads of the heavy lifting when I'm not doing it. So, um, yeah, yeah it's great. Thematically, on this one, I mean, there was very much. I think with the last album, I think for the most part, it felt more like more kind of revealing of the self, um, mm-hmm. along with the the kind of the weaker corner staples that we might expect, where there's some kind of commentary with the use of p- potential characters. Mm-hmm. This one, it feels quite explicit with the characters. I mean, it opens up and it, I can almost see the stage. I can see like the the kind of the setting, and there's uh, it feels like people are being addressed, and there's a degree of stepping into a persona. And then, of course, there are moments on the album where it becomes a bit more like plain, not plain, but like mm-hmm. like like you can see it a bit clearer. But I mean, I wonder, like, did you deliberately tap into something that felt more of? I mean, like that first bit. I mean, there was almost like it was almost like you know, like a Shakespearean actor on the heath or something. I can just it felt very theatrical to me. Cool. Um, yeah, I guess with this album, it's sort of maybe a bit of a thematic reaction to the last one, which was. Uh, maybe more languid in the way it unfolded. And we certainly spent a lot more time fleshing out the songs. Cunnell worked incredibly hard on the arrangements. And in terms of scale, it was a lot bigger. Uh, This record was in many ways a reaction to that because it it transpired in the writing process quite quickly. Um, And and the songs that we collected seemed to evoke a theme of um, the way that we we sort of are characters in the many facets of our lives, in our, I guess, professional lives, in our love lives, and in our creative lives as songwriters. Uh, so the we sort of threaded the album with that imposter's theme, which runs through it. The first and last and sort of central tracks um, sort of reveal that that character, I guess. And uh, yeah, I just when when we were writing that, I always had in mind sort of us on some. It, <laughs> yes uh, a kind of inauspicious stage probably the worst gig Connell and I ever played was I think in, in the Cake Factory in New York uh, and we, we took it on a whim we had played a show earlier in the day and we, we were offered this show and it was it was in a dingy dungeon of a venue and uh, we'd had a few drinks already so we were kind of very um, freewheeling in our in our approach to this particular gig and uh, we st- we started our set and in terms of the wheels falling off like there has never been a greater embodiment of a band falling apart on stage Cunnell's <laughs> symbol um, after a particularly uh, vigorous uh, hand action by by Cunnell uh, it came off its stand and had unplugged my amp, which was the only <laughs> oh the only source of of electric sound in and, New York. Yeah, <laughs> and we were just left sort of standing, looking at each other, uh, and while, that, while our manager stood off stage, pissing himself laughing. <laughs> um, so yeah, sort of that that scene always like it was obviously burned into my head, and strangely, not the scene of me looking at Cunnell with this quizzical sort of expression, semi-drunk and just <laughs> pondering what we were doing, but but rather the audience's view of us on stage. Yeah. Uh, like kind of that almost like the, the mask is down, like the shield of yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. Music, music that you have to protect you is completely gone. Yeah, mm. and I mean, that, that, that 
at any moment you're no more than three seconds away from potential disaster on stage and I, I would be very in touch with that feeling when we're playing uh, which possibly informs the way that, that I play but it, it probably you know speaks to other uh, aspects of my personality as well uh, so all these things I guess you know they come, they come out in the record and then, then some of the songs are just you know they're more um, sort of just ponderous I, I i'm not sure what songs you were talking about dave but uh yeah well uh, essentially like the framing device really and like the kind of recurrent mm-hmm. the comeback i mean like the three different imposter mm-hmm. named tracks i mean it did feel like it was packaged in this kind of you know literal literature way mm-hmm. um i i know like it's, it's very difficult to talk to you guys and not mention oh shit they're teachers so i'm going to try and not do the usual like what's that like but what i want to know is because <laughs> I, I had this thing when i was younger i i, I had this thing where like uh, it's it's a life lesson that you learn because you think when you're younger like your teachers know everything your parents know everything and you mentioned kind of like you know this band has been a going concern for 20 years so I mean like it, it, it speaks to kind of what say going concern well going concerns very different I wasn't that concerned about it for, for the first five of those years but I mean I just think like, it, it, like based on what you're saying there and the idea of like being three seconds away from any kind of disaster like all that gloss, all that kind of glamour, like for it not to be around. I mean, like, is that something that you still find yourself coming to terms with? I mean, like, or can you actually get to a position now where you're like, fuck it, like, whatever happens, happens. This is fine. We're actually great. It's okay. Or will there always be, oh, Jesus Christ, this could just collapse? Um, God, that's an interesting question. I, I, it's not, I don't think it's the glamour because <laughs> I haven't seen <laughs> but well, refer to like fairy tale glamour yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no um, I I, I, th- I think just the, the, like it's it's. I don't think we're that concerned about whether whether you know weaker corners and, and how it's perceived if that's what you're getting at and the sort of reputation maybe that kind we of have. I, I was rambling so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if uh, I don't think we're concerned that that, that goes but I think we'd be very concerned that just what we have between us and and this creative outlet that if that went you know Mm. because there are times when you know things get really really busy and you kind of find yourself going jesus christ if if you know if it's just another thing you know you know just times when when stuff gets nuts but but it's that's a terrifying prospect to kind of think that we wouldn't be doing this at some at some point you know it's become such a part of our identities and our lives and our balance in in life um so yeah hopefully hopefully you know we won't face that prospect i mean on that subject we were discussing very briefly before we turned the mics on about uh ships and what they were talking about this week obviously they're far from alone in terms of a lot of artists in dublin who are kind of feeling the pinch in that way i suppose your heart must really go out when you see you know the potential of creative outlets being shut down not even for creative reasons as it were but just financial or or something else entirely yeah it's a terrifying prospect for everybody i mean i read that article in the times about ships today and and it's really like where do you start what what kind of mess have we got our city into when it it can't support like a cultural infrastructure uh, and when you see people i think particularly ships are a poignant example because of their recent success in the last 12 months having been heralded as like you know the the creators of the the best album of the year for lack of a better term and and that our culture or our city can't can't provide them you know a place a place to sort of uh 
you know make their make their art and make their their living yeah it's fucking crazy <laughs> I mean yeah. when you talk about maybe imposter syndrome or trying to always be thinking in the back of your head this could all go wrong do you think that's something that musicians are grappling with a lot now where they increasingly I mean nearly all of them have to have another source of income or another profession they can't just be musicians or artists does that bring kind of I don't know, kind of a feeling that, oh, well, listen, we're not kind of stacking up with previous generations or we're not quite, we can't be that devoted. It's a kind of, as you say, a juggling act that might make you feel like, oh, well, we can't be that fully committed thing. Is that a, a, a tough thing to juggle? Um, I don't know. You're probably talking to the wrong band in a way just because we've always done the two, yeah, you know, yeah, done yeah, the two the things. Yeah, yeah, it's it's we've never really ha- had to think of that. It's... We, uh, th- to be honest, and I, we've we've always found the prospect of doing that alone just just like so far from what we could, you know, from yeah. what what is actually pretend like a re- could be a reality. I don't know. Um, I mean, just because we we know what our t- take ins from our gigs and shit. It's like holy crap! Like you're looking at the budgets, I, like yeah, yeah. yeah we're looking at the numbers, just do not stack up at all, you know. Um, so but but like for people that do, and like for people that do, just pour every ounce of their being into it. It's it's ter- it's must be it must be terrifying, you know. But mm. I can I guess we can only talk about it. It is almost patronizing for us to talk about it because we don't we don't quite. It's it's it hasn't been the way we've operated. You know, we've always our modus operandi has been always to we have worked and always done music as well. You know, it's just been part of the way we we've done things. Well, there, uh, yeah, sorry, I was no, I was just going to say even aside from the financial thing, I think what a lot of people don't talk about is uh, with the lack of value that there is in music now. Uh, that must kind of play on people's uh, sense of esteem and stuff just when you know you're putting out this stuff that you've worked so hard on and it's just it's just like the tap is turned on and anyone can freely access it you're not getting that sense of oh someone has actually gone out of the way to put this monetary value even if it's not kind of you know buying you or supporting you mm-hmm. know supporting you completely it's that sense of oh I'm valued in a real tangible way I guess mm-hmm. and uh, like I mean it's so true and there's we're still enthralled to the heritage acts like they still come around yeah. every year and do stadium shows and our parents probably identify that as what the music industry is and right. and you know people have very different perceptions of what you can maybe achieve as an artist but but from where we are um it seems that people are really struggling to just get by to put out records we're lucky that we're we're on a label that's incredibly supportive of us and our weird sort of uh w- work life uh rock balance uh, and you know the work the life rock <laughs> it sounds like a really bad decal someone would have on their wall you know live laugh love <laughs> I shouldn't have said that so I loved it, man. rock balance was pretty good I rock balance. Um, but yeah it's it's um, yeah I guess it's it's scary to think that you could be yeah for us it's it's actually quite a terrifying prospect that we would be relying on this album to get us to the next you know paycheck or to make rent next month if if that was what was at stake we mightn't be coming up to the release of this album with as much excitement and enthusiasm as we are and kind of that carefree it's like we made it it doesn't matter if it flops alexis the the guy who puts the records out 
he's he doesn't mind if it flops you know it's like it's our it's our creative outlet it's it's his it's his baby and and we're very privileged to be in that position you mentioned it was like thematically a reaction to the cadences of others i mean like what kind of struck me was that like an instagram post of you guys in the studio with you know just titled album four surfaced quite quickly i mean like after the release of that album and i mean like in like it's everyone works differently it can take 10 15 years for someone to to follow up their record or it can take six months uh with this one the window time wasn't that long i mean did you find yourself just kind of like oh like my like i'm full of ideas here like i need to just get these down fast i mean like because it just felt like you know like this was like oh there's there's more here like there's more even though it doesn't directly i i, I think I, I think companion piece wise i'm interested in how they stack up together but like it it is its own thing but obviously the gestation period was like quite i don't know like it's almost an overlap yeah it- it definitely wasn't, I don't think it was an overlap, into, it's, it's, it certainly wasn't spillover songs or whatever, you know, like it wasn't like these, we had some of these ready, we had the ca- the cadences of others, I guess we're we're always about a year or a year and a half ahead of, yeah, you the know, way the schedule works, right? yeah, like, just yeah, the way yeah. the schedule works, so we had definitely very much finished with the cadences of others, you know what I mean, so this was, this was definitely a new thing, but I guess, I guess we did just go, we spent, you know, there was a, a dedicated period of about four months where we just, each of us were hammering out as, as, as many kind of songs as we could sort of muster and um, there's a lot of them seem to stick quite, you know, quite quickly, which yeah. isn't always the case. So it was kind of a case of whittling down from about 15 or 16 songs to to the 11 um, sort of uh piece of music that are on there now um so yeah i guess it was quite quick in that point and i think every band needs somebody that says let's go into the rehearsal studio and work these out and and thankfully john is the person who does that so <laughs> if it was up to me we'd probably still be <laughs> floating around a bit but um you know john john was very was was great at sort of saying right let's let's quickly try yeah. and try and move move on you know we've done the last thing and get back into studio so and then, and then in terms of, in terms of of that idea where you're kind of working out of a studio and stuff, I mean, do you guys work with a producer or how does that work? Like, what's your general setup? Um, do you have a studio yourself or we? No, we have a just a place that we rehearse um, and you re- record in in that room. Yeah, well? we we do our demos there, so we just throw up a few mics in the room and we. Uh, yeah, just uh, let the riffs rain. And I'm just, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm just blown away by just, just that that idea of your process and how just on point it just always seems to come and it always just keeps so so solid you seem to have such a perfect idea of how you need to get the work done and how long it takes and everything like I'm always blown away by that I, well but I guess I guess like, we'd be quite blown away by the way you work you know <laughs> I, you know and I guess it's because I, I, because that's a totally yeah, d- yeah. you know by, by, by what, what what it seems anyway it, it seems like a totally different way we couldn't I don't know we we just that it's so alien to us the, the, the sort of way you must put music together but we'd love to sort of have an insight into it at the same time so I don't know to us it's just a very natural it's, it's interesting that you're even that think that the process for us is different yeah, because yeah. for us it's just like it's just, just the way we've two completely different yeah. angles or whatever yeah know, yeah, yeah 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 so I, I don't know and I'm, I mean John and I have been working together you know for quite a for quite a while so I think we've I guess we've just developed a, a, a certain rhythm you yeah. know but, but yeah, and, yeah. and that's we, what it feels like anyway, yeah sure. okay yeah <laughs> The big question, because off mic we talked about this. Now I, I'm the only person in this room, and I'm happy to admit it that I watched One Tree Hill instead of watching <laughs> The OC back in the day. It's a whole thing. If The OC was still going and they were still getting bands on, and they asked Week of Corners to appear on the show, <laughs> you could pick what song you played from your catalogue. Question: What song would it be? <laughs> That's the question. Um, on our second album, I'm gonna go out on a limb. 
I think I speak for Connell when I say this. Uh, we released the first single off our second album. It was called YKK. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And the B-side to that song was called Just For Men. <coughs> and we uh, we recorded Just For Men in Connell's parents' house in Belmullet. Um, on, on a Pro Tools rig. Yeah, maybe three mics or something. And we put it out on Spotify. And uh, if I g- had the chance to play on the OC, I would like to play Just For Men. <laughs> Excellent. Very good. The other massive question that I have, because we asked it two years ago when the cadences of others came out. Don't please don't bring this up. I'm already braced oh, for disappointment. No, don't do it. Are we on the acknowledgements for this record? <laughs> no, n- nobody made the acknowledgements. No, we, decided, <laughs> we decided nobody was getting acknowledged except us. I knew what the answer would be. Right. <laughs> well, anyway, look, listen. I mean, there's a, there's a gig coming up to celebrate. The album is out on the 12th of October, Friday the 12th of October. The following night, you will be taking over Whelan's for the the official launch of the thing. Well, hopefully, we get Just For Men there. Cullen will be the one crying in the corner that he hasn't been, <laughs> he hasn't been summarily acknowledged. He doesn't speak for all of us. Like, like, <laughs> like, like this is the thing. But, um, yes, so anyway, uh, we'll be at those gigs uh, trying to, you know, like not be awkward and <laughs> <laughs> failing. Yeah. So best of luck with it and the release. Thanks so much. Thanks for coming in, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks. Thank corners, everybody. Woo! Nice one. Up next, our album of the week. It's Villagers. It's the art of pretending to swim. Let's dive in. As I feel it ripple and ready its again the opening track of the new villagers album which is out now you can go and check it out on your spotify's your apple musics and your youtubes or whatever you want to do it's up to you i'd recommend doing so because i think this is a good album that's me giving my review in full in microcosm <laughs> at the start of this you're done i'm done uh who else wants to talk no it's great i really like it but uh <laughs> yeah. i'm reverse flippant opening <laughs> I'm, I'm reverse engineering that's what i'm doing this time okay so yeah we're big fans of villagers at this table uh, Cullum and I had mentioned very briefly in our kind of exit music reports recently mm. that we'd heard it, we thought there was some new bells and whistles and we were going to hold off in case you did a full a full review, which we're doing now. Cullum, do you want to expand on your points? Yeah, I, I, I mean, from the first listen and indeed from the first track, as you heard, I was kind of caught by this album because after Darling Arithmetic's perhaps slightly more stripped back approach and what seemed to be a very obviously a very honest and very personal album, but this seemed to be far more wide-ranging in its scope. It seemed to tackle kind of, you know, one of those like life, love and everything else sort of, you know, thematic sort of records where faith and God and technology and a lot of things like that are touched upon. And to be honest to me, it just sounds like a fourth album that is in the best way possible comfortable with where he is and what he's capable of doing musically and 
slightly liberated in that sense to sort of push the boundaries further than he probably has done before. Yeah, I've got some uh, problems with the seagull noises that open and close this album because I thought we were all on board with just hating seagulls around Dublin, right? Well, like, why, why ruin Natural sounds, man. Natural sounds. They're know. great. They're I great. You can't beat them. Ruin what is otherwise uh, an album I really can't find many faults with at all. Mm. I think it's a, it's a great... He could have had pigeons on there. <laughs> I prefer pigeons. Are you fucking joking? Oh, I'm sorry. Pigeons don't attack you. Uh, rats with wings, man. Uh, a f- pretty friendly rats. Absolute vermin. Yeah, I'd, seagulls are very aggressive. You've never had your sandwich stolen out of your hand on Grafton Street, being humiliated by a seagull. I think the story and is happened. The story is apocryphal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Are, are you, so basically, you're saying you've you've some bias against seagulls above before oh, yeah. listening to this record. So it just really did just a flashback thing. Yeah, because for me, like those natural sounds, it, obviously now it, it feels like a lot of this album. I love this album, and it feels mm. like very much right down my alley because it has all these like natural sounds in it there's this bedrock of amazing synth stuff that he hasn't actually properly explored before mm. yeah, there's like true. these like really amazing kind of synthscape stuff underneath and I mean I think David Kidd last week was talking about that thing where David Kidd was always aiming to like one of his main things was uh, to introduce all these electronic uh, pieces into like a kind of a more um, songwriter kind of a, yeah. a world you know what I mean and like I think it feels like this record is is kind of going for the same idea there seems to be this incredible bedrock of kind of the electronic stuff and then every so often there'll be these like these like rises up out of the water with these incredible orchestral um, oh, yeah. pieces you know I mean down towards yeah. the end that uh, like um, Hold Me Down for instance like I mean towards Phenomenal. the end Hold Me Down is just incredible it's gorgeous you it's know? interesting you say that because I think it was Lauren Murphy who interviewed him a few weeks ago can't mm. exactly remember either way he Connor O'Brien alluded to the fact that he was kind of playing with the idea of doing some of this as a side project really? of electronic yeah, yeah. music and then as he put it himself he ruined it by putting vocals on there again but basically <laughs> basically, I suppose you know, he was inspired to write and, and lyrically I thought this album was phenomenal and, and, and I think it shows a real ponderance and kind of like you know thinking and rethinking mm. because a lot of these ideas feel really fleshed out and feel really mm. sort of you know brought to the end of their line so to speak having a conversation today with a friend of mine who is a musician and I will not name them however they will say because they did say that they took it took them a while to kind of click into the whole villagers thing which is reflective of my own kind of journey with villagers it was actually darling arithmetic when I had to review it that made me finally sit down and kind of confront uh, a weird fear I had I guess of villagers because I just kind of got the sense that there was like it's so artful, it's so opaque, it's so elusive, and all, and I'm like, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I saw all the, 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 the baubles before I kind of saw the, the work, and I think Awayland was the first time I ever really properly listened to Villagers, and it didn't quite work for me. I mm. found myself kind of being pushed away by it. Darling Arithmetic came along, and kind of, I guess, on a whim, I reviewed it, and I fell in love with it. It cast a real spell on me. I thought it was magnificent, and then it enabled me to go back to the start and work through each one. Under- like a reframing or something. Completely, and I understand it a lot more, and this album, once again, again did that it contextualized everything that came before and what's interesting is my friend who I was talking to today was making the point that they found Conor O'Brien's writing style to it started off in a way that he felt it was um, evasive rather than elusive and it it Mm. did push you away and you did have to kind of work a little bit hard on it and he thinks now not that he's softened in terms of like losing strength as a writer but he thinks that there's now more of an acceptance of kind of 
maybe it's like letting more people in. Like I say, there is a comfort to it in sorts. In, in, yeah. like in the best way possible. A confidence maybe mm-hmm. or, you know, a sureness. But there's also still, I think, that really kind of clever and only like, like the best writers have this where you can present something in one way and obviously it can be interpreted in a bunch of different ones. But like, for example, Real Go-Getter for me is one of the best songs in this album. Mm-hmm. And I adore that turn of phrase and the way that he delivers it when he says, um, since I got better, I'm a real go-getter. Because you can totally take that at face value yeah. and be like, oh, class, he's doing well. Or if you're me, <laughs> glass off empty Dave over here, I'm like, oh man, there's a there's a venom here. Yeah, there's a venom. There's yeah. a, there's a bile here and there's a real, like, I, I can see him skipping along while like looking down and people being like, fuck you. <laughs> and it's really, I think it comes with age. Yeah, I think yeah, it yeah. comes with this being his fourth album and being kind of like that kind of sarcastic withering thing of like, Oh, like you know, I'm I'm doing fine, but no, I'm actually like we're all we're all burning alive here, and, and I, I really yeah. appreciate that he didn't shy away from that. Yeah, I think it, one of his real strengths as a writer on this um, and that song in particular is his musical writing ability and what he's doing with the sound more so even than the lyrics, because on a track like that you have those yeah lyrics that have a lot of venom and there's sarcasm there, and yes, that's fine. But he also he undercuts his own kind of arguments that he's forcing sure. uh, kind of facing you with this rhythm and kind of glitching and falling apart of the drums that mm. just like it's it's real kind of musical narrative which is kind of there's a lot of flourishes and just great touches sonically on this album but kind of what's most striking is how it actually all feeds back into the lyrical themes a lot and it tells its own story it's not just like oh look th- this cool little toy I have that can make these great sounds it's all kind of coming together in the song and whereas I thought like Darling Arithmetic was so stripped back and so personal and maybe possibly the lyrics on that one did a bit more for me um, but I remember like, talking to him at the time and with that album he wanted to very, he said like I don't want to have any tricks on this I don't want any trickery I just want it to be completely laid bare with this he's using those tricks in a really really honest way yeah. um, and I think it's it's very powerful Darling Arithmetic is so intimate to the point where when it starts off you can practically hear him turning on the light in the room that just you and he are yeah. in and that's again one of the reasons why it managed to just kind of envelop over me with this yeah I agree I mean like again there's a swagger to Real Go Getter because you mentioned those kind of like almost they're almost like contraptions yes. that he's found somewhere and they're kind of like si- sending these kind of warning siren sounds which in any of the song could sound irritating but they don't then the drums rise and you get that wonderful like crash cymbal thing and it's just or maybe it's a ride cymbal but it's just like a real kind of like shimmering thing that overtakes everything yeah. and again this feels like he's walking around in a world of his own creation and one that he doesn't entirely agree with yeah, yeah. it's going to be one hell of a live album right like when, you, when I mm. see this live it's going to be incredible because again like that darling arithmetic thing um like the live shows were incredible but they were they were so stripped back and so difficult to kind of see in a live setting unless everybody's completely completely silent i think this thing is going to be an absolute monster for the rest of the year when he plays live it's going to be incredible yeah he's teased that the live show is going to be something a little bit different that it might mm-hmm. take people by surprise uh we'll have a chance to talk to him about it because uh, we're going to be having him in studio and you're going to hear that next week. Very exciting. Yeah, that's right. Um, lots of questions for Connor. Indeed. Um, including, what is the real trick of the light? But I mean... <laughs> do not ask him that. Do not ask him. But no, but like, I, I like that like he can he can kind of mix and mesh with those. I mean, like a trick of the light is kind of like when it first came out, it was this kind of like, you know, ballady, you know, almost kind of old country thing. But again, there's so much more going on like, like beneath the surface on this one. And that's yeah. really difficult to kind of craft that way and kind of still manage to produce a song that will also go over on a surface level. Um, yeah. like you don't need to question things, on, on, like, if you don't want to, but 
at the same time, there's so much scope for that as well. I think yeah. at this stage of his career, like I mean, he has like, like he always had the the pedigree. I think you know I think that was never in question, but. It would have been very easy to just retreat to the idea of what a villager song is. And I think, if anything, he's managed to expand that definition Completely with this yeah. one. So, for me, it's an 8.5 out of 10. Yeah, I'm going to give this a full 9, sure, why not? Because I think really, as maybe Dahi pointed out towards the start, in that second half, it really just takes on an even greater scope. Um, I think it holds together really well as an album. That Hold Me Down track is fantastic. You're almost like, just finish it there, and then 8 is even a better kind of coda. So, yeah, 9, I'm, I think it's a fantastic work. Yeah, I'm going to go for a 9 as well. It feels like the one of the only albums that I've uh, reviewed for No Encore that I will completely come back to like pretty much again and again and again I can't wait to kind of really get into this when I hit Spotify yeah it's an 8.5 for me it's one that I will more than likely continue to go back to and uh, while it is very early to make this call uh, it is hard to see who will beat him to another choice music prize. Ooh. Oh, wow. Send it up. Send it up. Gauntlet. He's saying it now. He's saying it now. As Cullen makes his play to return to the Joyce judging <laughs> panel, <laughs> we will make our play for the songs of the week. And it's time for that random numbers game. Yes, it is, Dahi. A number between one and five, if you please. Let's go for an old three, I suppose. <laughs> it's uh, Young Upstarts, Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> With a song called Silvery Sometimes, open brackets, ghosts, close brackets. Snap like a dragon, die like a pelican. Kingdoms of my kingdom come. Skip like a prophet, spit like a poet's gun. But say how can this go? So every time this latest iteration of the Smash Pumpkins releases a song, I see a headline on some American website going, no, really, it's good, I swear. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's just going to be more of the same. And I'm not saying this isn't more of the same, but I think it's good. I think it's got life in it. And Billy sounds like he's having fun. It's all right. I mean, you know, like, like it's not terrible by no means. The problem is that at this point, the Smashing Pumpkins, both because of the very genuine quality of their older work and the sort of iconic status that they've gained uh, both throughout their careers and through their absence, means that it's going to take something absolutely extraordinary for anyone to go, fuck yeah, 2018 Smashing Pumpkins. And, you know, this song was probably never going to achieve that. So, mm. you know, to criticise it for not being that feels a little bit trite, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, this one really evokes um, 1979. Um, which is a very good thing. It also evokes a, a bit Dakota by Stereophonics. Right. <laughs> it evokes Zwan. <laughs> it is very Zwan-y, and I always had a soft spot for Zwan. Um, yeah, and honestly, it's a great song. I think, yeah, Billy's writing's been very strong of late. As you say, like, say he sounds fully committed to it and enjoying it. His voice is great. Um, uh, we don't hear a lot of Jimmy Chamberlain on this just by virtue of the kind of new wavy track it is, but I thought this was a good pop song, and I, I believe we're getting an album of eight tracks. That's so, the plan. He's um, been working, he's running the National Wrestling Alliance these days Oh yeah, as well. of course. Is so he still doing that? Yeah. He's still doing that. And that belt currently means more than it ever did, so it's all coming up, Billy Corgan. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I keep forgetting that I like Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> like, every single time a track comes back, I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is class. I, th- I think this, this track in particular is quite interesting because you can tell that they have recorded his voice in a much more modern way than they usually would, and if you haven't listened to it, his voice is like way more forward in the mix, which brings him like way more forward, and where you're saying like it sounds like he's having 
fun like you're like right up in front of it mm. which is I mean if we are going to say that like well, he's, they're going to have to try in something different or move on and try something different I mean new modern recording techniques and trying something stronger like that would be a really good way for them to go Alrighty, is that me picking the number? Yes. Number two. It's All Twins, who we said we probably wouldn't talk about ever again on this podcast unless they mixed it up. They have. <laughs> it's called Hell of a Party. Feels like heaven while we're here, but it's a hell of a party, yeah. So yeah, we weren't terribly fond of the debut album and it got to a stage where anytime we would review a new single we would have bad things to say about it and I was like, look, there really is no personal agenda here so let's just give the guys a break. Um, they've taken a bit of a break. They've kind of recouped and you know changed things up. They're working with James Vincent McMorrow on this one in the production capacity, although I can't quite hear what he brought to it. Um, they appear to have morphed into Chromio <laughs> on this track. What? Really? The think? vocoder, man. I first heard this in the company of a friend of the show, David Higgins. He played it for me on his car stereo on a trip to Black Rock to see a rare book dealer at the weekend. Jesus. Uh, sorry, what? <laughs> Whoa. Can't wait for the short story. Uh. <laughs> I'll, save it for the, I'll save it for the pub. Um, however, he was like, do you want to hear the new Altwin song? And I went, uh, do I? He threw it on, and I was like, this is okay, if a bit derivative. And then, before the vocoder kicked in, the breakdown, I went, I fucking know what's happening and what's about to happen here. And there it was, and I didn't need it. But hold on, this is just harkening back to Adebisi Shank's third album and they've yeah. done lots of stuff like this in the past. I thought it was good. Um, it's fine. Yeah, it's got a nice kind of little groove going. I could have done with a bit more bass. I felt like there was more potential to it. Right. I thought, uh, there was kind of some craft-worky flourishes as well, which I enjoyed. It, was, it wasn't It was quite, like some of the guitar was a bit default Niall Rogers, and it didn't feel like a hell of a party really like it's just <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah. advertising there was, says the weird, advertising there was some weird disparity between the kind of vocal delivery and what was going on which was probably intended but I for I the life of me wasn't yeah. I wasn't really <laughs> I was like I know you're saying something but I'm not sure what the execution so is on, giving you, me as a listener if you, if you went to this party you'd be like like halfway through your drink being like well, I think I'm out of here I'd be in the kitchen you know one of those where you're just kind of hanging out yeah, and it's yeah, fine yeah. Um, but this Brunker's sofa collection is the reason you'll always find me <laughs> in the kitchen at parties. Um, this, yeah, I, I thought it was quite good. Uh, unfortunately, I, like I thought the lyrics were clunky. Yeah, and maybe that's in their the first album, which I actually thought was you know decent enough. I did find myself making what is always a kind of a troublesome argument of like you know, oh yeah, but if you leave the lyrics to one side, it's actually all right. You know, now that is a ridiculous thing to say of any you know act that is doing music. Uh, with lyrics and yeah. melody. But, <laughs> but you know, it does get tripped up a little bit in that aspect again. But I thought it was okay. Yeah, I thought it was okay. Yeah, I, I thought, I I kind of disagree with you, Dave, where I can actually, I think you can hear the James Wilson McMorrow kind of influence in some of the parts. I mean, mm. especially like kind of the way the drums are and the way the guitar works. It, there, there seems to be this kind of like a, a bit more of a kind of a, a groove run that yeah, like James yeah. McMorrow has in his stuff. Um, it's a funny one. Yeah, like... um. I'm I'm still kind of a bit um, trying to figure out like who who's who's this going for. I mean, I mm-hmm. kind of really liked the first album because I felt like it was like this like really kind of um, very strong kind of pop album that right. um, it was bombastic. That would be yeah, that would be aimed towards a kind of a younger audience, I guess. Right, and 
like I mean that's definitely who came to it you know I mean they have a huge following in Ireland and in the UK and like they do really really well this feels like a, a change of direction and I'm really interested to see about where it's going to go from here yeah I'm not sure it's strong enough I think they should just bring back Adabisi Shank add Connor to the lineup. <laughs> like, you know, come on, just give us what yeah. we want and Craig what I want right now from you is a number number one it's a team up that I didn't see coming Los Angeles Noise Terrorist Health and singer-songwriter sensation Soccer Mommy have got a song together and it's called Mass Grave. So, Health, uh, big fan, I mentioned on the podcast before, they have a very certain style, kind of washed out, dystopian haze. <laughs> this track is the most Dave track of all time. <laughs> yeah. it's like this was the first right? track in the Spotify playlist on Friday when it came out. Of course out. it was, yeah. And I was like, straight up, and straight I was shaking it. Um, we've had about like 10 or 12 tracks come in, <laughs> and I've had that at the top. Uh, I was like, this is not leaving yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this spoke to my language. <laughs> I love it. Am I the only one? Like I really liked it as well. I thought it was really, really good. Uh, it's it it feels weird. Like I mean, when I looked at it, like I was listening to it um, kind of all week, and then I saw that that kind of video that they have paired with it, which seems to be way more darker than the track actually like kind of merits. If you know what I mean? That's health, baby. Um, the the kind of the intro into that and the way the bass works off it is just like incredible. Very cinematic, um, and also just kind of this very nice kind of dark Dave Hanrady esque music. I think which is great. You know? Hello. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's fine. It's it's pretty enjoyable. Um, Sophie Alston's talking about uh, contributing to it and was talking about how she enjoyed the apathetic sadness of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Hello, hi. <laughs> <laughs> it was maybe slightly too apathetic for me. I was about uh, to, I was about to say a really apathy is a great way yeah. of kind of describing it because it didn't ignite for me. And I mean, like, yeah, granted, it's help. I don't know what I was expecting. Yeah. But but maybe, you know, when it's kind of like reaching out with that sort of slightly poignant emotion, I was expecting something a little bit more pointed to I, arrive. Yeah, I enjoyed more the kind of ironic press release they released alongside it. Um, it was just it was talking about how in the annals of music history, um, it's filled with a rich tradition of trios. Emerson, Lake and Parmer, Crosby, Stills and Nash, <laughs> Lennon, McCartney and that other guy. And us! <laughs> <laughs> That was pretty good. So no, full pretty marks good. for that. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. They're worth a follow on Twitter. They're very funny. Yeah, uh, and they, they did the soundtrack to Max Payne Three, which was fucking awesome. So you know, two tracks left this week, and now a brand new potential pop sensation by the name of <laughs> Melissa. That's Head Above Water by Melissa. <laughs> she sounds a bit like Avril Lavigne, but that yeah. couldn't be. Could it? Well, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I wonder if somebody had introduced her to a producer here as Melissa. 
and he realised as she reached the chorus, fuck, this is Avril Lavigne, and <laughs> stepped on the guitar and drums. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, get me a power chord. Yeah. Shall we clarify for anyone who hasn't heard that conspiracy theory? Yes, it's that Avril Lavigne, like, you know, died and was replaced, replaced. with a lookalike called Melissa. Uh, don't think it's true. Like I said, this is extremely Avril Lavigne. Uh, it, it, Do you think so? Well, I, think I mean, it was the complete opposite of Avril Lavigne. Well, you see, because like I mean, I, I mean, I think at least in the verses, it sounds like it could have been different because it is going this piano ballad that could go but in. She was strict- doing that even five years ago. Like, on the, she's moved onto the poppy, almost Ryan oh, Tedder esque so mm. type stuff. It's so bland. And you know, you know what this song is about? It's about her battle with Lyme's disease, which is like she she talked about how she actually in real life nearly died. Right. And this is inspired by like her being in bed, being like I could pass away at any moment, and her mother being alongside her. I and feel bad about criticizing. I it, know, right? right? But it's the grandmother but, thing all over again. But this is the thing: like lyrically, you don't get any sense of that. How would you know? Like it's so. It's just yeah. such it feels vague. like an American Idol semi-final track. Yeah, right. And and, and also like I mean, even it just like feels like. Even just from the budget, like I mean, again, when you look at the the lyric video that they put up with it, it literally looks like it was made on Fiverr, that website where you pay somebody a Fiverr to make a thing. Like it's ridiculous. Like, just I don't. Why, what the hell is going on? With you it? took like, a deep dive today, though. You went back to that <laughs> debut album immediately. I did. Yeah, that <laughs> that first album is incredible. It's one of the Hold best on. pop albums of what? all. I'm with complicated you. and skateboard. I'm, I'm with you. As He's a with me, fabulous. and he also likes the track. <laughs> hey. I'm with. That's dead cold. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a good track. That's <laughs> a good shit. It's a damn cold night. The opening track on that that record is is incredible. Oh, what's like, it called again? I can't remember. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a real kick-ass uh, yeah, punk yeah. song. Oh, what's it called? Uh, hang on. You guys talk. I'll find this. Let, I have to know what it's called. Do, so, we, so do we really need to we'll know? We'll move on to the last song I once saw a band, just by the way, while Dahi looks at this. I, because it's called Aver- Losing Grip. Losing Grip. An, an Avril yeah, Lavigne yeah, yeah, yeah. cover was responsible for the funniest thing I've ever seen at a gig, where um there was like, a, like they were young, they were probably in school, uh, a band covering uh, Avril Lavigne's girlfriend, in fact. And uh, the drummer just stopped to wave at someone who walked in. <laughs> just made song. It, w- it was absolutely incredible. First I've never five, seen the first like five of my tracks life. on the album "Let Go" by Avril Lavigne is "Losing Grip," "Complicated," obviously a great pop yeah. tune. "Skater Boy," one of the greatest of all time. <laughs> Hold uh, on, one of the greatest what's of all time. I'm with you. Incredible track. I'm with you is amazing. Mobile. Um, oh, that's a great track as well. I, I stopped listening after I'm with you. Things I'll never say is also really okay. Good. We can can we stop this? Great. Yeah. Uh, let's Keep move on. That's our, album, that's our true album of the week. <laughs> I'm, I'm do, taking do, over. I'm taking do, over. Do you really want to hit the last <laughs> song of the week? It's our one true album. And our last song of the week is the worst song I've ever heard. <laughs> and here it is for your listening pleasure. It's the Ting Tings. <laughs> called Blacklight. And uh, it's a fucking disgrace of a thing. It sounds unfinished. It sounds unmastered. It sounds unmixed. It sounds like four different songs struggling for breath. How is this actually a thing in the world? What is going on? And the fucking drummer dude is still wearing those cool shades, And bro. it's still the same for members. Like, it's it's the, the two of them, yeah. 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 Are you shocked by that? Uh, it sounds well, like, like she wandered into a music shop and was just like messing around with a Casio and she'd never done anything musical in yeah. her life. Which is absolutely mind Or like that they've completely missed every single like so tradition and like convention of what music like, is. Like yeah, so strange. It's really freaky. Like it's it's okay. It's like it's 
bad. It's like, but it's also like just really interestingly like you cannot miss the mark more on on modern music compared to this. Like, it's I never got them though. Oh, do you remember the critical acclaim when like a decade ago they came out with <laughs> that's gr- not my name. Great DJ and that's not my name. Great DJ was the only song of theirs that was even half okay, and it, it, and it had a garage listened, band, and a garage band loop. Like, yeah, I, I remember one or two. yesterday, and it's terrible. No, I was it's like, not, why? It's not good. It is ter- it's not. I'm saying. I'm literally saying it's not good. Oh, However, okay, okay. in comparison. Sorry. In comparison to that's not my name. Oh, listen, I, I'd rather be trapped in a lift listening to Great DJ like, for a like, week. Like if, if I remember, if I remember, there was one or two tracks on that album which were like somewhat more okay, uh, largely because they didn't go to that sort of like you know wacky. Shut up and let me go. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. always oh that yeah that edgy just I've got attitude I can't. <laughs> thing, 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 thing is, I will I will say you know in bookending this songs of the week again it's 2018. Like, are we? Get out there and vote. No, are are we the idiots for listening to the ting ting and believing that it's going, going to be anything other than? I put it in here irrelevant. for that reason because I was like, I'm, this I'm, is the I'm thing, baffled. Yeah. It's are, but are we f- the only people who are listening to this? Because yeah. I, anyone I've told that we're covering the things, they're like, what? Did, is this did you see the YouTube comments? No. Someone said, thank come God that real music has returned. <laughs> and yes, there was legitimately a come to Brazil. There was a, you've got huge fans in Mexico. But listen, I, I interviewed Jules de Mar- Martino from the band. What a name drop, lads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had, I had to, <laughs> you got a badass over here. Eh? I had to go back, because this was about, I'd say, five or six years ago. It's the album before the last album, Jesus. right? Wow. Sounds from Nowheresville, right? <laughs> And oh, I remember doing the interview grim. at the time and being like, this band aren't going to last. Like, they're <laughs> falling apart. They had a record fully done. The record company was like, okay, we've got the promo all sorted. We're rolling out singles now. And they they just deleted it because they weren't happy with it, right? <laughs> I went back and hit Cut Your Man's Quotes because some of them are amazing. Oh, right? Amazing. There's a couple Holy of bits crap. here, right? Let's do it. So they decamped to Berlin and then the false star came. Oh, so decamped says, is such a yeah, hot yeah. press word, isn't <laughs> so it? he said... Once we got there, we were disillusioned because it was minus 27 degrees. Katie was like, I've just worked the hardest I'm probably ever going to work in my entire life to come to somewhere where it's absolutely freezing. I'm in the Eastern Bloc, so all I'm eating are kebabs and dodging dog shit. (laughs) We just felt hard done by. There should have been a three-week break where we went to New York and just had parties every night. I sound really ungrateful, and I just had quite... And then he went on. <laughs> then he went on to talk about how they discovered their sound, and that's why they deleted the album because they went their to like sound. Spain and they're like just listening to like musicians on the street. It was like the Johnny Marl thing where he's just like, yeah, I just when I want to get the news, I just listen to the guy with the acoustic guitar in the street. Right. <laughs> so this is brilliant. This is brilliant. This is how long ago it was. Listening to music on our MP3 players made everything click. <laughs> I don't really buy albums anymore. I'm quite a bit. I've got quite a big record collection. It's all stored in boxes. That was the inspiration. I'm traveling around the world with Shazam on my phone and finding out who this damn artist is in bloody Istanbul. <laughs> this is what we should be writing. This is the type of album we should be challenging ourselves. With. Wow! Oh, get him on the pod, Craig. Give him a shout again. Just so. have his number. Oh, I probably do. Yeah, cool. The journalist that we weren't ready for. <laughs> So that's the show, uh, engineered as always by our wonderful sonic architect, Eve Murray. Now, what else have we been listening to this week, guys? I've been listening to Pale Waves' debut album. We did the yeah, song I gave recently. Yeah, gave it a spin, actually, as well. It's called My Mind Makes Noises, and I must say, very brave of them to put out the same song 15 times. <laughs> no, right. No, it's true. Yeah, we did, we covered that, and like it might actually be the best iteration of it on the it album, was, that single was, black. D- I didn't like this. 
Uh, yeah, no, I mean, like, I said at the time, I was like, oh, I like what they're doing here, and they have just done it over and over again. It's incredibly samey, and no matter how useful that trick is, it just gets incredibly tiresome. I've listened to the new album from Emma Ruth Rundle, it's called On Dark Horses, and it's superb, and everyone needs to go and listen to it. It's Great. moody, it's gloomy, it's atmospheric, she is an incredible storyteller, and it's excellent. Go get it. Brilliant. Uh, I'm listening to a guy I kind of... Uh, Slept on for the last, like, say, two years or so. I've, I've said before on this this podcast how much a fan I am of uh, of kind of this those lo-fi uh, beats to study to, like, hour-long oh, yeah. videos on YouTube or whatever. And there's a guy who's basically done exactly what I thought would be perfect for the modern kind of pop music scene, which is basically he got those beats and is singing pop vocals over them. His name is Joji, J-O-J-I. Okay. Um, and he has, like millions upon millions of views on YouTube. Uh, I don't know how I haven't spotted him before. He's obviously, there's a there's a youth aspect of people from YouTube who are following well, him no, and stuff. Do you know this guy's background? No, no. Okay, this is the guy who, as a comedian, invented the Harlem Shake. No way. Yeah. No way. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a big YouTube comedian. That's how he's got such a huge following. Wow, yeah. okay. There you go. And yeah, he was the one who did the first Harlem Shake video. Oh went viral. God, and, yeah. Well and truly told. Here there you now. go, yeah, yeah. He invented the Harlem Shake. Well, he invented that dance thing, like the Holy meme or whatever. Oh my god, that's yeah. amazing. Anyway, his new music is very sad and very, very good. It's very good. So. Uh, I've been listening to a Derbyshire instrumental uh, trio who probably don't have quite the same following on YouTube. Crosby, Stills and Nash, <laughs> um, Health and Soccer yeah. Mommy. Haiku Salu, um, and their album is There Is No Elsewhere, and it's fantastic. It's really, really inventive and brilliant. It's good listening. And Lowe's new album is fantastic, Double Negative. Yes, yeah. I gave that a quick spin, and it it's is brilliant. It's, it's like they've totally changed up their sound it's mm-hmm. noisy gloriousness yeah. it sounds like if someone like made The Shining again and wanted a different soundtrack it's, tremendous, it's actually yeah. kind of terrifying Colin Regan uh, yeah, Pale Waves is just about the only new thing that I listened to this week uh, apart of course from Weaker Corners uh, and Villagers who we will have next week okie doke we will indeed uh, so yeah listen uh, listener if you like the show no encore that you're listening to right now tell your friends you know hit that subscribe button smash that follow button uh, but no it's coming to that time of the year now it's coming to that time of the year when we're going to start I've actually I've, I've opened up a Google Doc guys and I've started making my songs and albums of the year you long list you fucking love this oh don't God. you to be fair if I don't do it <laughs> no one's going to do it no you'll be fucking glad that I'm doing it when it comes to the end of the year <laughs> and true, I'm like here true. you go here's a reference point alright okay. I think it's going to be a really strong list there's been the amount of times we get to that last section and there's so many great albums that we just haven't been able to talk about I'm not sure it's been a great year so I listener, think I listener think if you're on the old Twitter box as they call yeah. it uh, at No Encore Show on something, tell yeah, us. at No Encore Show and tell us what you think of the year so far tell me if you think it's been a good year or a bad year and what you like and what you've really not liked let us know and we'll read out the best ones on the show we won't do that but it's fine we might do that <laughs> yeah, we'll give it a go exit music for this week is Roisin Murphy who we're big fans of she is back with a track called Jacuzzi Roller Coaster, and it sounds like this well it doesn't sound like this because this is me now exiting the show <laughs> my name is David William Hanratty <laughs> and there's been No Encore here's Roisin Murphy bye 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 bye
Stop. 
podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.